Hold up. What was that? Boring. No flavor. That was as bad as those leftovers you ate all week. Kiki Palmer here. And it's time to say hello to something fresh and guilt free. Hello, Fresh. Jazz up dinner with pecan crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Now that's music to my mouth. Hello, Fresh. Let's get this dinner party started. Discover all the delicious possibilities at HelloFresh.com. Here's a cool fact. A crocodile can't stick out its tongue. Another cool fact, you can get short-term health insurance for a month or just under a year in some states. United Healthcare short-term insurance plans are designed for people who are between jobs, coming off their parents' plan, or turning a side hustle into a full-time gig. Underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, they offer flexible, budget-friendly coverage with access to a nationwide network of doctors and hospitals. Get more cool facts about United Healthcare short-term plans at uh1.com. Welcome to the Raw Review. I'm Adam Wilborn from What Culture, joined by the Dudley Boys of What Culture, Michael Hamlet and Michael Sidgwick here to review everything that happened on last night's episode of Monday Night Raw. But before we get into it, if you're a fan of this sort of thing, make sure you subscribe to What Culture Wrestling on either iTunes, Spotify, wherever you get your podcasts from, for daily wrestling podcasts where we not only review Raw but also SmackDown, NXT 2.0, AEW Dynamite, AEW Rampage, pay per views or premium live events, whatever they're bloody calling nowadays. We have interviews, roundtable discussions, and a round of the week complete with a bigger quiz of course on WrestleCulture. As I said they're joined by Hamlet and Sidgwick to review Monday Night Raw and another good show? Question mark? Big question mark. I thought this was mostly trash. <laughs> like a couple of things are liked. WWE, this is the absolute um, nailed uncertainty for WWE between now and WrestleMania is that at least once a week a storyline will probably have your investment, will probably have your interest. They it, gone are the days where you could say something like, oh, they don't piss about when it comes to WrestleMania season because they absolutely do. Mm-hmm. This whole company is one big piss about. But uh, as it hangs in the distance, as it literally will from Royal Rumble onwards, they do sort of keep their eyes on the prize. And there's a couple of things we'll get to in this that we've like credited them for in the past. This is not just out of the blue stuff. But there are a couple of things here where you can see, right, they are actually focused on WrestleMania. That's nice. You're allowed to invest in that at this point. And then a lot of it was raw. A lot of it was raw. Way more raw this week than there has been the last couple. Mixed bag is probably the nicest way of putting it. Uneven represents the very nicest thing you can possibly say about any WWE show, other than those really drab 6.5 out of 10 pay-per-views that people go absolute wank daft over. Piss off. Two hours 20. That's the, and, uh, <laughs> right and, uh, You're looking and, uh, at the runtime before you're looking at the card. I never thought I would say this right. I'm going to make a non-biting comparison between WWE Raw and AEW Dynamite. Wow. Because this, in a weird, warped way, mirrored last week's where I thought, the first 35 minutes of this are the best this company can do. Mm. Obviously, one's great and one's merely, eh, quite good, that. <laughs> but the very best this company is capable of, you kind of saw it in the first 40 minutes, as you did last week's Dynamite, um, which is something I never thought I would say. Everything else is pretty much rubbish. Mm, yeah, well, let's get straight into it then. Brock Lesnar comes out to start the show. There's a big recap, uh, not only of his uh, win at day one, but of course, uh, Bobby Lashley becoming the number one contender the previous week. Uh, Paul Heyman joined Brock Lesnar out there, of course. Um, and we cut backstage before they say a word to see Lashley watching on alongside MVP on a monitor when who should sidle up next to them. Then Cedric Alexander and Shelton Benjamin. Uh, the Hurt Business are a thing again, I think. 
very briefly. Um, he says, oh, it's great to have the, the team back together. And Lashley goes, what on earth are you talking about? <laughs> I, I, work, I work alone, piss off, MVP nods along, and uh, we cut back to the ring. Uh, Lesson is very jazz. Sorry, before we get to this, just in case I forget this thing that happened with, and I saw with my own eyes, let's extrapolate this before we analyse the content okay. of, the, of the promo. What's happened here, right, is that over the course of, what, a month, two months, off and on, mm. because it kind of got, it kind of happened, then got dropped, like time has lost all meaning. Cedric Alexander and Shelton Benjamin, without actually consulting with Bobby Lashley, have simply put on the T-shirts <laughs> yep. and thought, will this work? If we just put on these T-shirts, will this somehow convince Lashley and MVP that, you know? Well, we're wearing the T-shirts. It must be true. Is that their thought process here? I think Tell me what it could be. So they reconciled together, the two of them, as the Hurt Business for the Goldberg program. Do you remember that? No. Right. So they came... Oh, yeah. They got chucked all over the place. I not remember misremembering that. this. I'm they Saudi, yeah. sort of came back together because MVP was panicking that Goldberg was going to back Bobby Lashley. So it was like, Hurt Business, everything's fine again. And Twitter rejoiced because, like... Finally, WWE realizing it's making mistakes. New boom period. AEW in the mud, and they were together for one week, and that was it. Like Goldberg beat Lashley, and that was that. So these are those. This isn't even like the friends that you kind of only really keep tabs with on WhatsApp. There's not even a WhatsApp group anymore. There's no like Bobby Lashley archived that shit straight after the Saudi Arabia <laughs> lost to Goldberg, and then they've just walked back in her business shirts. Hey, we're never apart. I have a bigger issue with what came later. So the the company hasn't been formally dissolved. Uh, it's just one of those things where, and I've got experience in admin, right? So you would be like trying to chase like a payment from a small company, yeah, and it's some guy in the shed or like their attic, <laughs> like having run a failed business essentially, but they're still on company's house. They've still got like all the details up and like the status. <laughs> some other admin guy, a company's house hasn't really been quick on the draw, updating the company status, so it still says like active or yeah. something. So you think. What's going on here? So Bobby Lashley has simply forgot to update company's house. That's what it is. And Benjamin and um, Alexander are simply on it going, oh, still active. <laughs> they've, not even got, they've not even got a landline anymore. It's just forwarding to somebody's mobile. And That'd be an office space where they just say, should we just stop paying him and then hopefully we'll stop turning up on yeah. work? It's like... They've not sent any, like, limos or honeys <laughs> to go to Cedric and Shelton's house to pick them up before the show, but they've gone... Well, I guess they must have just forgotten. So we'll get an Uber, <laughs> wear the T-shirts, and call it a day. So you're telling me that in the herd business, right, there are two separate individuals involved in this company who don't have a clue what the other one's doing, and it's creating confusion. Mm. It's way more like a business <laughs> than you'd ever imagine. Yeah, uh, we'll talk also about their actions yeah. a little bit later on because I've I've got a question about that. Anyway, so um, Lesnar's very jazzed once again by. Uh, uh, by Paul Heyman's introduction. He's, he's happy. He's in a great mood. He's excited to be back in Philadelphia. They love him. Um, before he can continue, though, outcome MVP and Lashley. And Lashley says that they're both super athletes. It's an honor to finally share the ring with Brock Lesnar. But Brock Lesnar, he says, has also been ducking him for 20 years. And Lesnar responds by saying, it's kind of busy over those years winning championships in this ring 
and in other rings. Um, I'll be honest, I didn't even know you were until we met at day one. Uh, it's not my fault that you didn't climb the ladder enough to reach me at the top. And he's, he's again, very jolly, Lesnar. He's, he's in a bit of a joking mood, and he says, but look how well-dressed these two gentlemen are, eh? What's the, what's the thread count on one of those, MVP? And they're all yucking it up. And, uh, and he says, oh, yeah, I'm funny and money. And... Uh, and Les- Lashley's obviously getting very annoyed by this, and and Lesnar just keeps going, calls Heyman over, and he does a knock-knock joke, which Heyman responded, I think all of us did. Well, never thought I'd see Brock Lesnar doing a knock-knock joke, or should I call it a Brock-Brock joke? No, okay. I knew you would. <laughs> uh, so uh, he says... Uh, a piece of trash. Knock-knock. <laughs> Who's there? Bobby. Bobby who? Exactly. That's show business, ladies and gentlemen. Uh, he calls calls Lashley a Brock Lesnar wannabe and chuckles and, and walks out. And thankfully, they don't touch. I like the fact that they didn't touch, first of all. But my issue came not only with this, like you say, prior to the uh, the meeting, which is where the T-shirts and assume that the band are still together. It's also the idea of Cedric Alexander going to Shelton Benjamin. Well... Guess that's the end of the hurt business, eh, Shelton? You know what we should do? Lashley looks really pissed off now <laughs> that Brock Lesnar's sort of mugged him off on telly and he hasn't really let it out on anyone. I think this would be a good time to jump him. That's what they did, and he just wrecked him around ringside. They've spent more they've spent more time getting wrecked by Bobby Lashley yeah. than they have being in the same stable as him. <laughs> An absolutely unbelievable state of affairs that kind of ruined what was a conditionally good segment. Mm. Away from the content of the promo, away from the fact that the content of this promo only really works if one result actually happens, and if it doesn't go that way, it's the wrong approach to take. It felt big time. We talk a lot about analysis versus feeling. This felt big time. I've said for ages, what have they got other than Roman versus Brock that could feasibly feel remotely WrestleMania worthy? And they're doing it. It just happens to be happening at the Royal Rumble. This felt like a big, big major stakes deal, a big title fight with loads of gravity and just loads of presence and loads of star power. I felt better watching this unfold than I would have had I really paid attention to the verbiage. Because when I did, I realized that it's all well and good for Brock Lesnar to basically say what a lot of people have said about Bobby Lashley throughout his career. Mm-hmm. You look like Brock Lesnar, you do the same things as Brock Lesnar and that you wrestle and you do MMA, but one's Bellator, one's UFC, essentially, mm-hmm. is the big divide. They brought attention to it, as I kind of suspected yesterday they would, but if Bobby Lashley goes over, and I don't think he is, and it will be through interference, this might just work. If Brock's going over you've just ruined Lashley and you've just invited and made real a quite unfavorable comparison. I have no hope for any future, right? (laughs) Not least of which involving WWE's future, but I kind of was into this all the same. Yeah, I really like this as a first face-off between the two of them. And I know this generally works better when Brock's the bad heel that he used to be. But Lesnar taking people lightly and then them doing something like Joe choking him out before Great Balls of Fire, for example, is great. And you've already got in people's minds, you might not have got out that hurt lock had someone else not got involved at day one. Yeah, it offered up some interesting speculation, if nothing else, this. Brock, as you say, with Joe, and I'm reminded of the 
electric uh, Rey Mysterio attack as well when he didn't take them seriously and Rey absolutely batted him. Was it like a baseball bat or something? Yes, it wasn't I think a kendo, so. It was something more interesting than I just remember thing. Dominic Mysterio being thrown into a wall. Yeah, absolutely incredible stuff. Thought you might. <laughs> There's the chance of that with Brock here. They did well to have Brock kind of like cynically undermine Bobby Lashley without turning him full heel. This feels like it's sort of, especially because Bobby Lashley is pivoting to this babyface role as well. It's sort of, it's transcending heels and babyfaces, but in a non-patronizing way, in a way that feels intended rather than when WWE, because you just hate everybody. Like an episode of NXT where it's impossible to discern who the good guy and the bad guy is. This is the good version of that because it feels ultra competitive. Bobby Lashley won't take that. Ultimately, the Royal Rumble, Brock Lesnar, even if Bobby Lashley loses, Brock Lesnar will be made to suffer for these comments at some point, and you can kind of rely on that as well. Mm. And I also love that Brock, in Vince McMahon's warped mind at this point, Brock Lesnar goes out and does that knock-knock patter, and then on SmackDown on Friday, Vince just looks at Madcap Moss and says, see, same script, why can't you do that? Why aren't you like him? It's the exact same sort of patter, and just not being able to discern the difference between the two. Again, I, I was... Slightly worried at what I saw here with the likes of the Hurt Business silliness. And maybe I think they've probably forgotten that Bobby Lashley's beaten the Hurt Business in a handicap match before. And they're going <laughs> to they're gonna run it back assuming that people love this as a diversion while Brock's not on TV. They've just forgotten they've already done it. Who can um, throw Cedric Alexander the furthest? I, like, honestly, <laughs> <laughs> I wonder how many angles from the last two or three years specifically they could recycle. And even, like, we've covered every one of these. Mm. And even we would be like... Yeah, it's nice to see these two together, isn't it? Like, I don't know they've kept them apart so long. It's because they haven't. They were together in 2020. Like, I, I, I like, wouldn't put it past them to do that. No. Uh, right, next up, we got the uh, Raw Tag Team title match. Prior to that, Riddle comes up to Randy in the back. Uh, Orton's not happy about their non-title loss last week, and he says that the fault was Riddle's because he never tagged him in, and he writes, tag in Randy on Riddle's hands. Could have been to use ink on someone's hand rather than something else. <laughs> uh, and, uh, Come. <laughs> Come on, day, Randy. <laughs> it's, it's a Randy Orton watch party. Uh, Watch because it's on his wrist and he's got jizz. <laughs> Riddle asks Orton if they can go for Philly cheesesteaks afterwards. And there's some patter about Pat and Geno's. And, uh, um, and then prior to the match, they also show that excellent, uh, I think it was either a tweet or an Instagram from Chad Gable, of them working out, uh, Gable and Otis, working on their necks to stop them succumbing to the RKO with the phrase, Team No Necks. I like that. Yeah. It's really quite funny and absurd. Yeah. <laughs> Gable's been great the whole time. They just, just Vince looks at him I, like we always say and goes, Ooh. I don't want to discredit Otis's part in this, but that is very Gable, isn't it's it? It's very Gable. Like, Ready, Willing and Gable was a towel. <laughs> like, you put a pun, <laughs> you put a pun on a towel. This is in his wheelhouse. Yeah. Imagine, because they've got a similar sense of humour, similar kind of working style. A Chad Gable, Brian Danielson tag team in AEW. Oh, God. Great, wouldn't it? It'd be fantastic. Well, instead, we'll have to make do with the Alpha Academy. They took on Randy Orton Riddle for the Raw Tag Team titles, as I said uh, early on. Riddle takes out Gable with a dive to take us to a break, and, and during the break, Gable uh, takes control, doing a nice dragon screw off the ropes. Always looks so good when he does that. American Beta. That's what they could be called. And they could it, play yes. with that, couldn't they? Because he's American Dragon. Yeah. <laughs> Riddle knocks down Otis with a uh, floating bro and does tag in Randy Orton, who uh, hits Gable with clotheslines and a power slam. Uh, he knocks Otis off the apron and then superplexes Chad Gable. Uh, Riddle tries to take Otis out at ringside, but Otis takes him down. 
Uh, Orton is facing a two-on-one uh, numbers game effectively here. He's uh, he's in there with Gable, fighting him off. He's in control. He looks like he's got the match won, but there's a blind tag that Orton doesn't see. Otis comes in, catches Orton with a world's strongest slam. One, two, three. Alpha Academy, Chad Gable and Otis are your new Raw Tag Team Champions. Riddle couldn't get in to break up the count. And uh, a shocking result for the uh, Philly crowd, I think it's fair to say. I can't believe, I genuinely was astonished to get into work today and say, a second Raw Tag Team title reign for Chad Gable. Completely forgot about the first (laughs) one he had with Robert Roode, of all people. Uh, First gold on the main roster for Otis. Um, But I suppose you both called it yesterday. I sensed it could be coming. As I said those words yesterday on the preview, now maybe it's too soon. Maybe they'll do a rumble spot where they're both in the ring and like Riddle's kind of, you know, doesn't want to wrestle Randy. They'd want to team up and then Randy could chuck him and all the rest of it. Dare I say, right? You know how people praise WWE when it's like, oh my God, guys, (laughs) that's a storyline. And it's like, (laughs) yes, obviously it is because that's what they do. You can't praise them for doing something. It's like praising... Like a vet for not killing a dog? You <laughs> <laughs> didn't kill that dog. Well done, that's great. That's just his job. That's a bare minimum of his job, okay? It's like those websites where you like, rate traders or like, rate a vet, and that's the lowest possible curve. Didn't kill my pet. <laughs> I read one online the other, review the other day where it's like, yeah, was, did Sami Zayn get beat on SmackDown? Yes. Yeah. Uh, it's like, yeah, 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 Sami Zayn got beat on SmackDown, but, you know, he's probably still going to win the Intercontinental title, and that's good. It's like, is it? Or would you rather just have a <laughs> guy who's, like, credible to win? It's like... Yeah, he lost to Boogs in order to set up him probably beating Nakamura. <laughs> Someone praise this. At least he's got some direction after this. It's like, the stupidest direction that makes him look <laughs> stupid. Right? So I hate it so much. All right, yeah. Absolutely rubbish match, but, you know, there's some storyline direction for this guy after. Good. That's <laughs> what sh- I cannot... I cannot underscore italicize bold enough how much that take just breaks my brain mm, yeah and how low the standards are so given how, given my how much i hate that they did a twist yeah they did a fairly advanced storytelling technique that i thought was genuinely quite tremendous so the whole idea is randy orton and what was great about all of this other than the match which was incidental to the story yeah. telling realistically it was fine it wasn't great. It's WWE. They don't really care about tag team wrestling. What was great about this is that you got a glimpse of Orton, and they did it via a quite good side gag, visual gag. He was really at the end of his tether with uh, Riddle here. Tag in Randy written on his hands. It's how little he thinks of Riddle at this point. He really sold it as if, I'm getting near the end of my tether with this blithering idiot who I'm starting to really start to resent again, right? And it's Randy who takes the fall. Mm-hmm. And the best thing is, is that Riddle is going to be completely fine with this because he's the baby face. He's going to say, Randy, let's just win the titles back. I believe in us, we can do it, right? So when it's going to get subverted and Riddle loses the rematch, for example, Randy is going to do that which Riddle didn't and be a complete knob about it. And that's going to layer the sympathy on Riddle. This is genuinely Really, really, really good. And I cannot believe it. Yeah, to paraphrase an Onion headline, I think it was the Onion, uh, the worst pricks you hate in wrestling are in a great storyline. Like, yes. uh, <laughs> it, it, this is really great. And yeah, just to sort of, like, to echo Sidgwick's take, basically, I couldn't believe how good this was on a WWE show for all of those reasons. And for the fact that it's so earned. 
the just tag Randy thing. I've been, I think I've been a bit critical on these podcasts. The RK Bro matches, if you love them, enjoy them now because they're going soon. But they've like been really true to a formula. That hot tag is red hot. Randy Orton has never felt so hot, quite frankly, as when he gets that hot tag off Riddle, and that's driven this next development. Tag me. You've like Riddle. Have you watched the tapes? Are you watching Raw? Because look what happens every week. You get decked, but you tag me in, and things turn out all right in the end. And then we reach the point that Sidney just point out where things have gone wrong, and mm-hmm. it's because of Randy. So incredibly inspired. Um, it gives me hope for not just the turn, but the things they might have planned for them after the fact. Because odds are uh, you're going to have probably like a six to eight week period where the match is as good as official. They maybe even flash the graphic up and you've got to start doing stuff. And Riddle is not going to be anything other than Riddle. There's going to be one week where they're going to ask him to be intense. And it's either going to be him at the tail end of the Adam Cole match on that first episode of, or that third episode of NXT on USA, or him having to do fake, like Pew's face anger that he just can't do, you know? Um, So that could go horribly wrong. But this has given us reason to believe that they're actually going to make it all the way to WrestleMania. Genuinely marvelling at the details here. And not only has it been sort of earned by Randy Orton constantly being great on the hot tag, they even got across the, well, you can't RKO Otis. And he couldn't, and he lost. Characters are seeing things through. It's it's incredible. like four or five weeks at a time. Really quite something. Gable's got yet another team over. So look forward to that disbanding in six months with no fanfare whatsoever. And they'll move them on to somebody else. Like at this point, I cannot wait for um, Gable and Omos to win the tag titles in 12 months. (laughs) What a team they're going to make. The Philly crowd as well. We talk about dead crowds and they've got an excuse to be dead crowds. The Philly crowd elevated much of this Raw as well. I will say that. Uh, and then they got a shock tag team loss immediately after that with another six another six man tag that came after it. Before that, uh, a couple of promos. Damian Priest announced that he's going to be in the Royal Rumble match. He meets with the Street Profits and says, "Oh, we're going to beat Cruz and uh, the Dirty Dogs." And Bianca Belair cuts a promo on Becky Lynch. Her time at the top is coming to an end, etc. And then we got yeah, Ziggler, Rude, and Cruz versus Damian Priest and the Street Profits. Just a really quick word on the promo, like those those WWE conversations where nobody would ever speak like that. Like you come into work one day. Serious face, oh, that's nice. Seemed like the band Hound himself. Well, what is it? Are you going to be Adam or Wilborn today at work before we <laughs> record podcasts? That's what they like at this point. Other wrestlers are noticing. Are you going to be angry, Adam, or wacky? <laughs> are you going to be curly or whirly? <laughs> we just don't know. Like the street profit, like people asking that if Damien Priest ruins this whole thing. Like, the whole idea is... You're not meant to know! Yeah, he's supposed to be like, oh, what has become of me? And it's just outwardly asking him, you're going to be the nice guy or the kind of a pain in the arse guy? He's like, (laughs) I just don't know. Damien Priest had this kind of expression, you know, like in stupid American TV shows where, like, someone's standing up and with one foot, the kind of, like, go side to side on their toes. It's like, oh, I don't know. <laughs> Damien Priest yeah. is like, oh, well, what am I going to do? What am I like? What am I like? That's exactly what I was what about to say. What am I like? <laughs> <Those> <laughs> I don't know why Stuart American TV shows have turned it to Cory, but... Uh, <laughs> Those 80s, 90s sitcoms where for the credits at the end, it's always a freeze frame from earlier in the episode. So it's got like, Damien Priest thumbs up. And then next one, Damien Priest thumbs down. <laughs> freeze frame. Um, is he just trying to work his way into a uh, trademark walk culture side-by-side thumb? <laughs> <laughs> Basically. What was he trying to do? I don't want to sort of dismiss this match because, like, Montez Ford did all the Montez Ford things. So I am just going to say, this is your box-handed Monday Night Raw 10-minute six-man tag match, effectively. 
But again, Montez Ford was just flipping all over the place. Um, Angelo Dawkins came in, looked great as well, to be fair. He uh, comes in, suplexes Ziggler, suplexes Rude. Uh, it's a bulldog on, on Rude and a silencer as well. Then in comes Apollo Cruz to make the save. Um, Priest goes after Cruz. Uh, Aziz distracts him, though. Ford bloody flips out the dive to take out Cruz and Aziz. Dawkins hits Rude with a spine buster. But again, it's been another blind tag. In comes Ziggler. Zigzag on Dawkins. One, two, three. Bit of a just... This is where it was just, oh, this is Monday Night Raw I'm watching. Uh, yeah, I didn't get any of this, in truth. If the idea is that you want to indirectly get Ziggler challenging Priest's title, we've already seen it. I don't understand why Zolf Ziggler's going over. Um, if anything, given who the new um, tag team champions are, you really want to get the Street Profits geared up for a, uh, mm. a, a title match, or at least a title chase. Um, basically... They didn't do anything good. It occurred to me in this match, of which there was absolutely no detail that I want to pick out or talk about or praise or analyse, that there's some very clever and shrewd cross-brand manipulation going on by WWE at the moment. Um, over the past 48 hours, I've watched, for the purposes of review, matches by the Viking Raiders and the Street Profits, in which I could summon not a single thought about either of them. They're co- like Matches are fine, but the booking is just coasting. I believe that only exists at the same time so that somewhere, somebody is going to leave a comment on the Bin Monster video saying, God, why can't WWE like this again? <laughs> Failing. <laughs> Give back when these two meant something and we're in the bin with a monster. Well, Those were low times. Yeah. <laughs> low times. Low. Remember that same window that they smashed twice? Because it was obviously the one window. They were like by a door. It was mm. like one panel of like obviously single glazing compared to the rest of the performance center. It's like... Smash Paul's window again. <laughs> 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 I just got it replaced and dead. Okay, yeah. And, he's like, and what people think is like, oh, I know what ninjas look like. Wait a second. Ninjas don't go that big normally. <laughs> go <Jeez>. that big. <laughs> <laughs> Jesus Christ. <laughs> Life is full of what ifs. Some awesome. Like what if AI could fold your laundry? And some, well, less awesome. Like what if you have unexpected medical costs? United Healthcare can help get you covered with Health Protector Guard fixed indemnity insurance plans. They supplement your primary plan to help you manage out of pocket costs. No deductibles, no enrollment periods, and especially no more what ifs. Visit uh1.com to find the Health Protector Guard plan for you. There's never been a faster or easier way to start your weight loss journey than with PlushCare. PlushCare accepts most insurance plans and gives you online access to board-certified physicians who can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wigovi and ZepBound for those who qualify. Take charge of your health and speak with a board-certified physician about a weight loss plan that's right for you. Get started today at PlushCare.com slash weight loss. That's PlushCare.com slash weight loss. PlushCare.com slash weight loss. Before we go any further, though, this show is sponsored by BetterHelp. Now, we all carry around different stresses. They can be big life worries or just, you know, little things like your favorite wrestler not being used properly. The thing is, when we keep them bottled up, it really can start to affect us negatively. 
Therapy is a safe space to get things off your chest and to figure out how to work through whatever is weighing you down. It is really helpful too for learning positive coping skills and how to set boundaries. Therapy basically empowers you to be the best version of yourself. So why not give better help a try. It's entirely online, designed to be convenient, flexible, and best of all, suited to your schedule. Get it off your chest with BetterHelp. Visit betterhelp.com slash whatculture today to get 10% off your first month. That's betterhelp, H-E-L-P dot com slash whatculture. Well, we got Seth Rollins' promo next, uh, thankfully clearing up how on earth someone from Monday Night Raw can uh, challenge for SmackDown's world. To- oh, no, sorry. Um, he uh, said he was excited for the Royal Rumble, not because of those two brutes, those two Godzilla-looking bears. <laughs> <laughs> I did the face as well. Uh, Lesnar and Lashley uh, fighting out other Rumble matches, but because he's going to become Universal Champion, uh, he didn't... Didn't get the match because of a, quote, penguin-looking advocate. He got it because he's Seth freaking, trademark, uh, Rollins. And he was going to beat Roman Reigns yet again. Out comes Big E. Uh, he's, excited as, he's excited as Rollins. Uh, he's excited as Gritty after a Philadelphia Flyers victory. Have you seen Gritty before? You told me, he's, is he like the uh, American Blobby? He's like a nightmarish mascot. Have you seen Gritty no. before? So the- but, um, uh, eyebrows raised at American Blobby. <laughs> The f- I'm Philly, listening. Philly, <laughs> Philadelphia Flyers uh, ice hockey mascot. Yeah. They just I don't know if, I don't know how long he's been a thing for, but he will he's amazing on social media. Right. And he looks like that. <laughs> <laughs> what I'm looking at is uh like an orange grimace <laughs> from the McDonald's characters, but with funnier eyes wearing a Philadelphia Flyers hockey jersey. And he's got blobby levels of chaos. He also, he also, I think, either... I'm not sure if he's... Squee- blobby levels. I watched... <laughs> and I mean, like, elite tier chaos. I, wa- I watched some uh, clips of him. I think it, uh, it was on, like, last week tonight or something. It was, like, him keeping himself entertained when there was the full-on lockdown last year. And he was doing, like... You know when people do the things where it's, like, a ping-pong ball off, like, a wall and then a frying pan and something else into mm. a cup? And he did more and more complicated things. Uh, and he sort of squeaked every time it went in. And I don't know if that's when he moved or that's the noise he makes. And he also threatened physical violence against another mascot. Like, <laughs> you know, they go like, whoa, see you on Sunday, Newcastle United or whatever. One of the other teams did it. And he wrote, keep joking, bird. <laughs> like, <laughs> like threatening physical violence. So uh, for me, this is the one time, because all the time they go, like there was a bit later on with some... I think a basketball player for Philadelphia hmm. and there was a reference and I just all the time when they do this, obviously it works really well. You think of like Elias and Kevin Owens working on a local sports team and I always go, uh, uh, and it also doesn't even work when you're here in the UK. We've talked about it before when they go like, how about that Manchester City, huh? And people go, uh, yeah, the crap or whatever. If you're an American citizen and you're like from one of these like, you know, Rural-esque, or not particularly glamorous big cities. And WWE goes, well, welcome to Monday Night Raw. Come to you live from America. Because <laughs> I don't want to say, because it's not glamorous, that they're in, like, Battle Creek, Michigan. And yet, when they go to Philly, it's like, gritty cheesesteaks. We're in a big goddamn place, guys. <laughs> How big is this? If you're from Battle Creek, just turn 
just go all elite. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> I told you when I went to the Birmingham tapings and they put their Titantron pictures of Big Ben. Like, yeah. it was in England. Didn't Manchester have like a phone, a red phone? Yeah, because like, like... A taxi. Like, they're literally telling you that you think they're your little, uh, just bum. Where'd this mascot get his name from? Little bumpkin? Moonlighting for Edge and Beth Phoenix. <laughs> Well, because he's got patter. <laughs> uh, but I did. This is the one. This is the one time I popped for a local reference. Um, anyway, um, he, uh, Big E said he was going to beat Rollins, win the Royal. So he's entering the Royal Rumble and he's going to beat Rollins at WrestleMania to win the world title. Rollins does his. <laughs> so, Say you've got no chance. That's uh, a really, really good impression. I could do like I noises. I couldn't I look I've, at you because I was like, I hate that thing that Seth. Freaking Rollins. I've that I could do no- wrestling noises, but I can't do like accents and impressions. Oh, but the two of us. Oh yeah, yeah. <laughs> that's <Marcus> Jericho. <laughs> it's Rollins. Give us another noise. I'll do it all. <laughs> Triple H after he's played the Kane video. <laughs> <laughs> Good. I like my, my favorite Triple H noise is the. <laughs> <laughs> the ramp. <laughs> uh, I knew oh, it. God, we've killed some years. Oh, apologies, everyone. Anyway, uh, Rollin, oh, Big E offers him out for a fight. Rollin says he doesn't want one. Uh, Big E goads him into it effectively, saying they're both in their gear. Uh, and Rollins accepts it and then beats Big E. Like, I, I, I'm a hypocrite here because the match. Given plenty of time, I really quite enjoyed it. And I thought, oh, for f- they're going to do all this. They're going to do all this, and then they're going to go to a DQ or some bollocks. And they didn't. They actually had a finish. But then I just thought, oh, well, that's Big E ruined then. It was a surreal thing, because like I say, I, I was like, oh, God, they're not going to give us a finish. And then they gave us a finish, and I was like, well, they obviously had to kind of give, they're going to give us a finish, give us that finish, because Rollins can't lose on his way to facing Reigns. But even so, Big E... Like I know, I know that the the Royal Rumble win generally is just like a reset button. It's like, well, whatever's happened before, he's won the Rumble now. But I don't know. Well, I'll get your thoughts on 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 this after I talk about the match. Uh, Big E splashes Rollins like immediately to take us to a break on the apron, uh, and uh, he's chucking Rollins' face off the announce table as we come back. Uh, and they're saying, I'm got hit with Seth freaking Rollins' freaking sweat on commentary or some bollocks. Um, goes for the big ending. Rollins gets out of it. Chop plots Big E. Uh, hits the uh, the knee. The flying knee strike <laughs> for a two count. Big E fights back. STO clothesline. Spear through the ropes to the outside. Genuinely panicked for a split second that I thought he had actually hurt himself properly there. He grabbed his arm immediately, and after the last week we've had, I never like seeing stuff like that. Um, big E fights back, um, I think, after another break. Uh, overhead suplexes, a splash, uh, but Rollins fights back with a rolling forearm. They trade counters. Um, Rollins hits an Inziguri, super kick, frog splash, gets near falls after all of them. Goes for a curb stomp. Big E counters into a powerbomb brilliantly, puts him on the stretch muffler, but Rollins gets to the ropes. Big E tries for that spear through the ropes again. Rollins gets his knee up. They counter each other, and then Rollins out of nowhere. Forearm strikes, curb stomp, one, two, three. I don't want to go full Bruce Pritchard, right? But he'll do this thing on his podcast, which is lower in the charts and hours, incidentally. Mm. Right? Where Conrad Thompson, I'll read him the Observer, about like April 1995, Dave Meltzer gave a 
fed match from an in your house or whatever. Like, star and a half. That goddamn Dave Mouse. It, what was so great about it is that I told the story, <laughs> right? <laughs> so I want to just do that impression now so that I never get confused with that guy ever again. <laughs> but here's a take for you. Emotion matters way more than work rate. And when I instantly saw these two together, I thought no good can come of this. Like, absolutely zero good can come of this. And I thought, oh, obviously you're working a good dramatic match, really quite well worked, crowd are into it. I, I'm not, because I know for a fact no good can come of this. Everything begins and ends with Roman Reigns. Seth Rollins is about to have a match with Roman Reigns. They want this Roman Reigns match to appear as dramatic as possible. So Seth Rollins has to beat the former WWE champ clean to get to Roman Reigns and to make the Roman Reigns match feel unpredictable, incredible, mm, yeah. and big as a result. So that's why Big E gets beat clean, right, on Raw. Thus seemingly killing his main event push. To a degree, I can half understand why WWE stands do the whole let it play out thing because I'm watching this thinking now they can't possibly be this stupid now they can't possibly be this stupid are they stupid enough to either kill Big E senselessly when Seth Rollins could have just beaten anyone mm -hmm. or do they think that and or you could have had and I don't I don't always want to see shenanigans but you've established this relationship with Kevin Owens so if yes. you want to deep beat Big E. He wasn't there because I think his family are afflicted by COVID right now. So maybe, but they still just beat someone else. Yes. Not Big E. Are they either this thick that they think, that, oh, Big E wins a rumble, they can run this back with their preferred underdog narrative? Or do they just think, oh, well, they'll forget this. Mm. Big E can win the rumble and Seth Rollins can lose to Roman. And then they can have their consolation prize at Mania, but they won't forget. They won't remember this. They're stupid. Vince McMahon has on record said this as well. Not on record. Brian Gewertz, mm. uh, quoting Vince McMahon, does think we will forget little TV matches like this. Yeah, WWE, it's junk food worse this for me. Don't ask questions. Just keep eating. Don't at all unpick any of the least threads here. Otherwise, the whole thing falls apart as it so often does. I couldn't feel anything possibly for that. can't match. possibly do a Mania WWE title match on telly in January. But they can now because there's no rules to this anymore. Yeah. Like, the, it used to be about, like, that you wouldn't see something in November that you'd then see again in April, and we've seen it. And, it, like, if Big E's run failed, and it's, they failed him. Yeah. And it's probably about time everyone accepted it. But, like, it's... Well, you speak, but there people say, though, oh, they failed because he was too fun. <laughs> failed because you booked him terribly. Yeah, he lost frequently. Yeah. And, and he's lost here, and he lost after saying, I'm going to beat you tonight and then win the Royal Rumble. So if anybody does remember this, where he's failed to do what he just said he was going to do, so why would we believe he's going to mm. win? They don't. They, by assuming that we forget that, they'll also assume that we can now just hear him say, next week, I'm going to win the Royal Rumble, and they'll just believe it. And, and I'm not just saying this because yesterday, on I think it was a SmackDown review, I said, well, WWE have something here with this Seth Rollins. It's fundamentally stupid because they don't respect the rules of their own universe. But if Postman Pierce was to come out and say, the reason I got Seth Rollins a title match was because I looked back at the day one situation and watched his situation rather unfairly get worse and worse and worse and worse until there was four people in his singles title match, including one announced on the day. They did none of that. Seth Rollins just got it. So by default, does that not make Big E look weak too? Like how has Seth Rollins, with his annoying laugh and his weird clothes, gone and got that match? when Big E hasn't, because he found himself in those unfavorable circumstances too. Postman Pierce, for some reason, has picked Seth Rollins over Big E, so he doesn't even feel like he's 
a favourite internally, let alone externally, when he's losing to the guy that he said he was going to be. Mm. A real failure, this. Again, if you ask fairly simple questions of the booking, which they don't ever want you to do. And astonishing to think that, um, obviously, we seem to think that Roman Lesnar's going to be at Mania. Um, neither of them in the Royal Rumble match, of course, both defending their titles. And Charlotte Flair said, if you win the Royal Rumble, you get the main event of WrestleMania. And there's two of them and two Rumble matches. So, presumably, Roman Brock won't main event. So, their words not mine I'm just asking questions here. <laughs> uh, right let's move on and talk about Nikki A.S.H. and Rhea Ripley they're in the ring they get interviewed by Sarah Schreiber uh, they say we've got an announcement to make and Nikki says we're going to fight for the <laughs> women's tag team titles again and I thought oh for fuck really? you literally lost in two minutes in a non-title match last week uh, and Ripley thank Christ said it's not off mic, well, not, not what we came out here to say. That's not what we were going to discuss out here. You'd think they maybe have chatted backstage about this, but mm-hmm. still. Um, he, she thought, presumably, they were they're going to talk about the Rumble. I thought they were going to announce they were both going to be in the Royal Rumble match. But anyway, Schreiber asks them about their team and the, the issues that they've had recently. Uh, Ripley says, oh, probably not the best place to talk about this. And Nikki's like, no, let's have it out now. Let's have it out. Um she says, look, we, we should be able to get those titles back. And Ripley was like, ah, no, I watched us losing two minutes last week. We were crap. Let's go our separate ways sort of thing. Uh, and Nikki says, we, I thought we brought out the best in each other. Uh, I know you blame me for the loss, as she should. <laughs> um, she said, look, I know you know, one of us feels like the better wrestler. And he's like, hey, I, I never claim to be better than you. And Nikki goes, no, I'm better than you. What? Anyway, Ripley's had enough. She goes to leave offers a handshake before their separate ways, before they go their separate ways. Um, she says, look, I still believe in you, Nikki. I hope we can still be friends. Uh, and she's she hugs Nikki, who asks her if she's being sincere. And Nikki turns her back, and I thought, brilliant. Here we go. Rhea Ripley's going to absolutely wreck this fool. But no, Ripley offers out a fist bump, and Nikki takes it. And then chips her, <laughs> lays her out, beats her down, walks out. The superheroes become a supervillain, Michael Hanfler. And she says, almost superheroes don't need any friends as she walks out <laughs> up the ramp. Justice League! <laughs> I loved hating this. I did as well. I loved hating this. And there was a couple of reasons. And one was actually work-based. Um, a call you'll sometimes hear across the office. I need one for a list. Yes. So myself and Cedric and Murray, or whoever's doing the list, will sometimes just be one shot of, uh, of the tens that you see on whatculture.com. And I'm coming soon uh, at my own fair hand is 10 funniest fan heckles. They're quite hard to come across, but when you spot them, they're great. And we've talked of some of the best ones on these podcasts before. And there's some more coming to the list, whatculture.com forward slash WB very, very soon. And I needed one for a list. And then Raw gave me one for a list. And what I enjoyed so much was that it, I love when the transparency of WWE's failure to reach its own audience is shown on television and there's absolutely nothing they can do about it. You think more of chants, don't you? Like the fans trying to hijack shows, which I don't really think they have the energy much for anymore. But WWE are about to deliver the Nikki A.S.H. heel turn, right? They're about to do what they believe is right for the storyline, right for the Rhea Ripley character, right for both characters, I guess, by having Nikki swerve turn on Rhea Ripley to bring this team to an end. And one fan, as they are struggling to generate drama with this risible dialogue, Ugh. one fan you can hear shouting out as they're looking to like make Nikki the most sympathetic one as possible. Hit her with the riptide, Rhea! <laughs> <laughs> right before Nikki swings a fist as evidence that they have yet again completely misread the room, completely misjudged the temperature of a situation. 
Rhea Ripley is suffering and continues to suffer. I wouldn't say this is on a par with the lowest lows of the Charlotte Flair feud, but this character is dying yeah. out there. And now she's been turned on by her former partner, this loser gimmick that was thrust upon Nikki. Or, you know, had, I don't know, collaborative process, but either way, it's a loser gimmick. It, I, I enjoyed how bad this was, but... Only to a certain point, because we say this now, when things are going for this badly for characters, you have to remember that this is a company that is ruthless with its releases. Yeah, it's it, not the same anymore, is it? It was one of those things where I hope Rhea Ripley comes out next week and goes, where's that been for the last few weeks? And then where's that fire been? Her with her with the top yeah, rope. Wrecks her. And I, I had mixed emotions about this because I was like, oh, thank God they're not a tag team anymore. But my word is, as Hamlet said, the... Uh, dialogue here and the way it, way it played out was dreadful. Oh, it's absolutely dreadful. When people say professional wrestling is just a terrible soap opera, this is precisely the sort of segment they are talking about. Um, this is just so r- removed from professional wrestling for me. I understand that a heel turn happened and you meant to side with someone and you meant to sympathize with the other, but like Rhea Ripley was just such a sap, mm. like so nice. There's no... When she came out and she, and I know it's... Uh, a different world away, came down in NXT and was like, yeah, I'm being this bitch to, to, to Shayna Baszler, for example. Oh, and she was the one NXT draw in two years, you mean? That Rhea Ripley. <laughs> Other than Adam Cole. Yeah. One of which they ruined, one of which they sort of encouraged to leave the company outright. Yeah. <laughs> absolutely. Well, they offered to give him a haircut. Oh, yeah, of course, of course. <laughs> um, yeah, this is just absolutely terrible. I thought the performances were unconvincing, but then why well, criticise the performances? Rhea Ripley shouldn't be performing this kind of material. Nikki A.S.H. just wearing that gear, right, doing this material, it's just comical. Like, absolutely. Look me in the eyes, Nikki. Lift your mask up. <laughs> it's just absolutely dire. Uh, we're in a bit of a dangerous place here with this podcast now, Michael Hamlet. Like 40 minutes in, mm-hmm. you still haven't got the five-star review review yet. You haven't dropped your skip yet. Okay. Uh, and this is normally around the time of the podcast where Michael Sidgwick says, oh, get on with it, I'm hungry. Well, we have to talk about cheesesteaks next because uh, <laughs> Dana Brooke and Reggie are having cheesesteaks in the back. Why? Uh, doesn't matter whether they're in Philadelphia. Um, uh, but uh, Reggie's got a sixth sense, I suppose, that something's about to happen. He thinks Dana's going to get jumped uh, for her 24-7 championship. Why isn't Reggie trying to win it? Because uh, that doesn't matter. Is he trying to win her heart? Oh, 24-7. In her little... heart. <laughs> More Von Wagner stuff, is it? Okay. Um, anyway, uh, there's... Uh, R-Truth Dana Brooks Bush- Jensen. R-Truth pushing, R-Truth's pushing a bin. Uh, Kira Tazar was in it. Uh, <laughs> they realise what's about to happen. They escape via throwing cheesesteaks in the general direction of R-Truth and the bin. But it turns <laughs> out, on her... F- Birthday, they've hit Tamina with them, who's so furious, she beats up a bin. And then uh, Reggie runs into Omos, who tries to kill him, and Dana Brooke has to say, put him down, and he does. So that happened as well. I'm beginning genuinely to earnestly enjoy how low effort the 24-7 title stuff is, because one of my favorite things about WWE is when you imagine the process. So I obviously, like any rational-minded person, hated Raw Underground, I at least laughed at, like, the production meeting that generated Raw Underground. Oh, Christ. Uh, tits, MMA, a fight club, that, that's, is that cool or whatever? I like Can we get Shane that. looking like a war correspondent? Yes, exactly. <laughs> exactly. So, right. What I love about this is 
just the writer's room. Like, they're waiting desperately for the day when Vince either forgets or they're just saying, does that USA Network, who really likes this belt, is he not being, like, does he not do one of these sideways moves to, like, Warner that all of these, like, execs do these days? Do this, oh, I still care about this. What do, what do we do? It's like, well, uh, food fight with the regional food stuff? Yeah. God. Like, all of a second. <laughs> all of a second to do this. There's a particular prop in wrestling that you have to be very careful with. And I love the way that standards have slipped and attitudes have changed that over 27 years, it was considered a, a cardinal sin. Hell has frozen over because the former Alundra Blazers dropped a valueless title in a bin. Now wrestlers are getting in them by choice <laughs> and, being, <laughs> and being pushed around by other wrestlers. Not the belt, the actual human beings are literally in the bin by choice. Also like the idea of our fictional uh, Floridian family moving away and, uh, and saying, look, you know, for, for whatever reason, we've got to move out of Florida and we're moving to Philadelphia. <laughs> and they go, well, you know, we're not in WWE's backyard now. He, uh, well, I, I don't know what we're going to do to make ends meet, love. Um, I've just opened a sandwich shop and uh, <laughs> I hope for the best. Cling. <laughs> hey, pal, give me the stickiest cheese steaks you got. Do you want to eat them? Hell no. I want to throw them at someone who's celebrating their birth. That's what I want to do, pal. I think we've got <laughs> a massive order in. What do you mean you think? Well, the guy came in, he said, we need about 400. <laughs> <laughs> do, do it again. <laughs> so, yeah, that happened. Uh, can we pretend Austin Theory segments still happen? Yeah. <laughs> Just to keep the voice alive, which yeah. is... Ironic, considering the voice doesn't sound alive. <laughs> <laughs> I love it if they started shooting them, because this week it was obviously just expositional, isn't it? Like us in theory. Yeah, Vince said to me, it's like, didn't you, Vince? Like, uh, old Vince soundboard. I sure did, pal. Like, you never <laughs> see his face anymore. He's just got a Will Bond soundboard. <laughs> isn't that right, Vince? I'm going to you another stretch. Who told you that uh, you're getting a match tonight? Um, uh, I can't remember. It was me, Austin. <laughs> oh, yeah, sorry, it was Vince. Yeah, thanks for that, Vince. <laughs> well, looks like I've been out to tell them. Uh, the tape gets stuck, but it's Vince. So you can't even tell. Do <laughs> <laughs> uh, so we get a doo-doo apple uh, promo? Uh, she says 2022 is the year that we all get a doo-doo apple. And that was that. Did you want to say about this? No. Okay. Uh, and then almost squashed a jobber called Nick Sanders in like 90 seconds, hitting with a tree slam. Uh, making almost unstoppable. He's not good. <laughs> and he's going to, well, I think he's going to, I think he said subsequent to that segment before, he's going to kill Reggie next week whilst he flips all over the place, probably. Mm -hmm. Which means that Dane is going to be isolated, which means we're seeing a title change next week. Tamina's winning the big one. Finally! <laughs> She's probably got a huge pop for it now. Yeah. Uh, then we got the cutting edge. Skip. Oh, no. <laughs> I mean, I kind of wish I could when I was watching it. Like, No, we should talk about the cutting edge. He does a great introduction. For is there me. anything to skip after this? Oh, don't worry, there is. Uh, it's something we can skip and then we, can't, then we can talk about it on the NXT preview instead. Oh, great. Um, it's the cutting edge. It's not really skipping then, is it? <laughs> <laughs> just sort of delaying the inevitable. Yeah. 
The most gorgeous and curvaceous guest he has ever had. The owner of thighs that could crack a coconut. Uh, Edge introduced Beth Phoenix. Uh, he said she'd have been in the Broad Street Bullies if they were in the 70s and they've collected championships the same way the Flayers. Flayers? Flyers even have collected <laughs> Flayers? <stuff. laughs> cool <and him. laughs> It's Triple H's favourite hockey team, the Philadelphia Flyers. By <laughs> <laughs> uh, the way, the Flyers have collected Stanley Cups. Uh, they've won 35 titles as a couple. I mean, it's weighted in one way, but okay, fair enough. Uh, more than any other couple in WWE. They're, in the, they're the only couple in the WWE's Hall of Fame. Even plays this brilliant video package uh, for Beth Phoenix. Sheeran Sutton. <laughs> she... she, she uh, she comes out and says, oh, you play that to uh, bottle me up for later. Down boy, we'll save that for later. What, do the, what does that They're mean? They're going to really incredibly intense intercourse, <laughs> like holding each other's heads, eyes to eyes as they together Fame climax. out the forest. She's just moving a finger around the back, and then he goes, here, here, here. <laughs> oh, I hate Dude, this mind. I felt Missionary, so doggy. Hair on top. <laughs> All the positions. <laughs> um, anyway, Beth Phoenix is sick of Miz and Maurice. Barely alive sex celebration. Wants to shut their mouths for good outcome, Miz and Maurice. Critteris. Oh. <laughs> 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 oh. Miz said he sided with Ben Simmons, who's a basketball player. Um, something about <laughs> helping you. He'd heard that Edge had got a video package ready for Beth Phoenix, so he had a video package of, of Maurice instead. So we're all lucky to be in Maurice's presence. Puts over career work, uh, her, her ethics, uh, work ethic, sorry. Uh, but then uh, Edge said, yeah, she's, she's good and all that, but <laughs> Phoenix can... Deadlift a Buick, basically. We the G&G spot. Sounds like <laughs> <laughs> um, I also really liked that in the Beth Phoenix video when they were like, hey, remember when she was in the Rumble and eliminated Great Carly? And I was like, you've missed the middle out of that. <laughs> Comes out in the Rumble, Great Carly gets eliminated. What happened <laughs> to cause that? I can't remember. Anyway, um, Beth Phoenix says she's going to wreck both of them, particularly Maurice, and the, the crowd are going to chant au revoir, and Miz is furious about all this, and says, oh, yeah, you think you can beat her? Well, my wife's the best, and she's going to come and smash you in, and blah, blah, blah. Uh, in, in the midst of him rambling on about how great she is, Maurice has just got terrified and bailed. Uh, Miz doesn't realise, and uh, Beth Phoenix laughs at him and says, I'll oh, just smash your teeth in as well, even if she does leave uh, and doesn't make it to the Royal Rumble instead. Not a fan of this pamphlet. No, Miz is the best thing uh, about this whole program by leaps and bounds. And that's not ideal because you, like, you're really supposed to love the baby faces. That's the worst thing. They've sent them out there to flirt awkwardly. Like, watching your mum and dad, man. Like, it's, just, it is, uh, it's not, it, it feels weird. So you instead, you, you have to. Million? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> you emotionally detach. From Edge and Jacqueline, and instead, <laughs> <laughs> instead, you like you don't feel because that feels gross. You think instead, you're like, oh, Miz is trying to drag this material over. I, look, said it from the very beginning when we pitched the idea of the match. I think the match will be a lot of fun. Like Maurice 
has absolutely no problem um, like showing ass for Beth Phoenix. Mm-hmm. Uh, Beth Phoenix I can probably still go. Like, there's going to be it's going to be quite enjoyable. There's going to be a sense of nostalgia, but not just like fossilized nostalgia that you get sometimes with an edge match. So, I think elements of the match will be quite a lot of fun. I do not want to see any more of these interactions. No, just have Beth Phoenix glam slam Miz on the match, and that'd be amazing. That's good, yeah. I mean, this whole segment was uh, awkward as hell. It's like, you live together. <laughs> she don't have more chemistry than this. It's absolutely bizarre. But like, from a point of view of wrestling the match, right? Watching the wrestling match that is upcoming. Did this really build my excitement ahead of it? You said they don't need to do anything else with these. I, I get, just got to fill three hours. So that's the problem. I get the idea, right, of... And I put this on the script because I think Marie's is a sorely underrated performer. Mm. In fact, myself, Murray, and Hamlet the other week watched The Miz and uh, Marie's be John Cena and Nikki Bella timeless. parody. Absolutely timeless. Absolutely tremendous. So this, is a, this isn't on Marie's, right? But the idea is that The Miz is writing checks that Marie's can't cash, yes. right? Marie's is selling of this. It's like she's genuinely scared. Mm. <laughs> she's genuinely a little bit worried and she doesn't want to be in the match. And I'm not thinking, like, she should have done something awful and underhanded, right, to Beth Phoenix, to warrant Beth Phoenix being the stronger, more decorated woman, threatening to kick her ass, and then Marie's can sell it by by being a fraidy cat who's going to get her comeuppance. Hmm. She just looks, like, really outmatched. Yeah. <laughs> so there's no drama. I feel a little bit sorry for her. She's, like, an object to Miz at this point, so there's this weird sympathy element going on on the heel side. It's a load of absolute overthought rubbish, quite frankly. Well, we got a match following this, but before that, we got Kevin Patrick uh, <laughs> backstage with, with Austin Theory. Uh, he's talking you brace about, yourself, man. Steve Austin used to his knees for that impression at this point. You put yourself back for it. He's talking about his match against AJ Styles, and... Uh, he said that Mr. McMahon had warned him, allegedly, about how good AJ Styles was. But he was ready to prove to Mr. McMahon why he should continue to invest in him. Uh, and he said, did McMahon give you any other advice? And he said, yeah, he told me, don't screw this up. I don't think he probably said it like that, do you? So then we got uh, Austin Theory versus AJ Styles. Skip. Skip. Grayson Waller got involved. It went to a DQ. Enough of all that. It's now time for this. It's short. It's crap. It's wrestling related. The five star review review. Nailed it. Yeah! <laughs> and this week's five-star review review is brought to you by Chase Austin. If you want to suggest something short, crap, and wrestling-related, uh, subscribe to us on iTunes and leave us a five-star review on there. Or you can email it to me, adam.wilborn at whatculture.com. Uh, but Spotify allow five stars now. So yeah, yeah, do that as well. Do uh, they? Yeah, they've just added them recently, so let's fool some more algorithms and get some new reviews through that. I'll have a look into that as well. I'm not sure yeah. if people have already done some. I'll, I'll look into that this week. Uh, Chase Austin, anyway, writes, uh, the entire network has amazing podcasts and news, but I find a special kind of joy when the boys pop for the five-star review on Tuesdays. Hamlet and Cedric... On Calm Tuesdays. Hamlet <laughs> <laughs> We provide great insight, uh, and Wilborn is most certainly the king of the huge bap. 
Uh, genuinely, if you haven't committed this to your daily routine, you are missing out. What a sell this is from Chase. Uh, for the five-star review review, I'd love to leave it as Sidgwick's choice. Best wishes to all of the What Culture gents and Will Bourne too. Uh, what are we going to do this week then, then Sidge? Well, what we're going to do is uh, we're going to take the piss out of an idiot. Some <laughs> of my preferred recreational activities. And I'm going to do some Southern United States <laughs> excellence, <laughs> which is also something I like to do from time to time. <laughs> when the time allows. <laughs> I reckon. <laughs> I'm powerful into it. So uh, <laughs> who or what are we talking about here? Uh, right back. <laughs> or more specifically, Skip Sheffield. Skip Sheffield. What to do? Um, <laughs> tell, Hamlet, why don't you tell That's us? South Park version of Skip Sheffield. So, Hamlet, why don't you tell us what he did <laughs> on NXT season one? So, what he was doing before, before he came right back was working at Skip Sheffield. I took the notes here. His. Considering what we're about to talk about and what we know of Ryback in general, his run was so forgettable that I had to look it up. I scribbled it down before the podcast and I had to check the notes again. I couldn't remember this, like almost nothing, right? He finished sixth out, which, of. out of a cast of eight. <laughs> right, so he was gone as soon, virtually as soon as the end. In fact, he was gone in the second week, not even the third, because Michael Tarver and Daniel Bryan went in the same week because they were so desperate to get Bryan gone straight away. I still didn't count as a proper elimination. <laughs> but Michael Tarver, you're the real elimination, so he was gone. In that time he was on NXT before he was eliminated, he had a two and five record, which included tag losses because even his partner in pro, William Regal, didn't really like him. So I I almost find myself defending him at this point because he sort of was memorable. Memorable enough for like Cedric to pick him to think, oh, what what Skip Sheffield was up to or whatever, considering that he had one of the more unremarkable runs on a season that created the Nexus. There was all these people that you remember for various reasons. You know, Justin Gabriel pulling the ropes over and some Hardy fell through them <laughs> and the like. And yeah, yeah, Ryback wasn't even there for that long. Skip Sheffield, sorry. Uh, so we got a, a video package of, uh, it's like a, a signature introduction piece, like a minute and a half on him. First, first thing you hear. <laughs> Gotta say, I've picked this <clears throat> not only to do Yank impressions, but like, just, <laughs> well, I won't ruin it. You'll go through the thing. First thing, Michael Cole. The corn-fed meathead. <laughs> and this little flex in there. Uh, Josh Matthews says, my muscle will hustle. I don't know what that was. I like the fact that the first thing, Christian's, Christian says something complimentary about him, but the fact he precedes that with, actually, <laughs> I surprise you. Can I just shock you? I like Skip Sheffield. He's a nice guy, good guy. And the repeat of, like, guy as well is pretty much like Larry David repeating pretty. Like, Christian is like, he's pretty, pretty nice. <laughs> he, he, like, he's got that face. They've, like, wrestlers for generations now, I guess, have talked about that, like, Christian can be a real piece of sh- backstage in the way that you love him, but he can just own you with a click of a finger. He does that in a talking head here for me. Like, yeah. he's just put right back in the dirt with his first comment. Uh, William Regal's next. He's his mentor, and he goes, he's got energy, he's got aggression, and he's strong. <laughs> no talent to speak of. He's basically, you know how, like, the, the mould lumps of clay? He's a, he's a lump of clay. That's uh, William Regal's yeah. assessment. <laughs> I'm, I'm, I haven't mould them yet, but he's a lump of clay. 
There's another ringing endorsement coming. Matt Hardy. Skip Sheffield is definitely an interesting character, to say the least. <laughs> Basically, this entire vignette is just... Right, uh, getting him over as a village idiot. <laughs> because that's what he is. So talk around it, because it's funnier, because that way he might not understand it when he watches it back. <laughs> Do you want to read... Hey, they said I'm nice. <laughs> Do you want to read the uh, Skip Sheffield uh, promo that they show next? Uh, which features his incredible, uh, incredible catchphrase, of course. If you good people want to kick it up a rap and put some pep in your step, all I can hear is yep, yep, yep. <laughs> and then they show two people in the stand going, yep, yep, yep. Like, not like, you know, yes, you think of yes, yes, when speaking of Yep, yep, yep. <laughs> they show just some, <laughs> yep, 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 what it do, sting and bulldog. <laughs> just some honey boo boo child mama looking ass sat in the crowd. <laughs> Jesus Christ. Yep, yep, yep. <laughs> Get me another cone, dog. Because <laughs> they're corn fed. <laughs> the corn dog fed me. Yet. And my favourite thing, I think this is the bit you're alluding to, there's also a line from him later. Cuts to CM Punk. Yeah. Sid had, had mentioned this before, just, you know, oh, just watch the CM Punk bit, considering the history these two have got. So it goes from, yep, 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 to just CM Punk. And it's a wonderful edit. It's just him going, ugh. That's it. That's the entire clip of CM Punk. I, I love this. I love this, right? But I, I sort of go both ways on it because it's really funny and it's well edited into this video and Punk, in doing a breath, has created great content. But we all know of the stories of him like tearing up the scripts in front of writers' faces. Wrong people, really, punching mm. down. But a, a man frustrated and feeling oppressed himself in the system. Whose job was it that day to say CM Punk, who is wrapped up in a hoodie, just to make it visually clear he was no part of this. Uh, we need you in the studio in 10 minutes for Ryback Talking Heads. What? <laughs> like the, I, I, just, I can imagine the person that was... Ta- like They were probably doing like papers of stone in the office, but I'm not telling him. I'm not, I'm not speaking to him. Chris Jericho, because obviously now they're moving on to the other aspect of, of, of uh, Ryback's character. They've got through the fact that he's big. Uh, Chris Jericho says... I understand he's got a catchphrase. I've been reliably informed. That's like that's what English like pundits say when they've got no part of what they've been given. Somebody with a hundred percent success rate with catchphrases. <laughs> I, Chris Jericho. I also like the fact that you know you always. I love the, the line that you often use, Sige, which is "Think of the ground that covers." The Miz is then in going like rolling his eyes, going, "Yep, yep, yep, what a do!" Like. She get a load of this guy. It's virtually plagiarism, isn't it? From that thing he did with like, was it? Or whatever bollocks it was. Hoorah! Hoorah! That's it. Uh, Chris Jericho goes, I don't really know if I like it. And Miz goes, Really? Really? He's got Blue Peter Badwitch on as well for some reason. Can you isolate that brilliant Chris Jericho impression and just play it off the soundboard whenever he does anything on Dynamite? It's Chris Jericho cut a promo on uh, Dan Lambert on Dynamite this week. I don't really know if I like it. <laughs> and cuts back to Regal and he goes, he's a little, how can I put this? Jericho goes, I think Bake is basically Regal's mortified of what Skip Sheffield is showing him, and there's just a picture of him doing the flare strut up the stairs for no apparent reason, and then Regal mid-match going, don't mess around doing stupid stuff! 
Not best pleased with it. Move forward with your left foot. And then put your right one in front of it. And then left one again. And then right one again. Skip Sheffield now. It's time to his uh, right of reply, let's say, to Regal. He says, well, he was bought up a different way. He's a different person than what I am. It's <laughs> <laughs> all his British fancy talk. Punk says, Punk now, finally gets his words out. If anyone can help him in the ring, it's William Regal. He needs to shut up and listen. <laughs> oh, how ominous, Phil. How ominous those words will be. Uh, and again, as... Jericho's been talking about Skip Sheffield's performances, let's say, in, in NXT so far. We see Skip Sheffield again doing the Ric Flair strop before doing a splash, effectively, on this one. And he says, I think Skip needs to step it up somehow and show me something else than what he's showing me. Which means all of the grab I've seen before, <laughs> none of that. Regal patronizing pat on the head next. He's trying his best, and he seems to be coming round somewhat. <laughs> he won't even finish the sentence with coming round. Qualifier at the end. Somewhat. Somewhat. Uh, I'm not going to sacrifice my whole credibility for this. Michael Cole, shilling for Ryback. Maybe Ryback's peaking at the right time, and uh, immediately undercut by Christian going, yeah, but he's going to have to get a lot smarter if he's going to win this competition. <laughs> Where did he come in the competition again? Sixth. <laughs> Sixth out of eight. Second week elimination. Um... Final final word goes to Skip Sheffield. I'm a lot smarter than people think, and I'm in the coming weeks, people are going to see the real, real Skip Sheffield. What it do? He got, <laughs> got eliminated, didn't he? He did. Oh, yeah. Shame that. Get her done. Surprisingly, Michael Sidgwick, they don't allow comments on this video on YouTube. But never fear, I've found other comment sections Yes, including the video of him <laughs> clotheslining a fat woman into a pool. <laughs> God damn it. I mean, that's what, that's what it was. <laughs> Once again, these do not reflect the views. Myself, the Dadly Boys, or anyone at What Culture Wrestling. I feel like the edit button's going to uh, yeah, come into play here. I've been, I've been reserved here. Uh, unlike Emilio on Twitter in 2014. Ryback looks like Festus fell into a pool of steroids. <laughs> Looks like, and that's not us saying it. Emilio's thoughts. Uh, Robert Carino, uh, big fan. He embodies a 10-year-old in a man's body. (laughs) It makes it so entertaining. (laughs) Again, these compliments really aren't the compliments that I think some people think that they are. Imagine if, like, Ryback got, like, a Krang singlet design. (laughs) He would look like he's got a big, giant body with a little tiny brain, but it's in the middle of his his abs. Uh, mystery uh, in the comments of uh, his supplement video. How somebody with this level of creative genius got marginalized by WWE, I'll never know. The law of hiring lasses in a pool. Have I imagine this? Or did they once give Ryback 10 minutes on a raw to basically read from the secret? Yes. That happened, didn't it? That what? did happen, yeah. Yeah, he went out and cut a promo and he was like, I'm not who you think I am. And let me tell you, I'm reading a book lately. And he just parrots the secret as kind of his own, like, rules of Ryback or something like that. You lazy bums need to be better. And also, you're going to meet nicer women if you're not so ugly and stinking. And I'm Ryback and I've got goals. I'll see you at WrestleMania. <laughs> Happen. Yeah. Well, we might have to review that in future weeks. That sounds amazing. I, I, like, I, I cannot remember much beyond that, but that was like motivational speaker Ryback almost. <laughs> Brilliant. 
Uh, Antonio on Twitter, um, in response to the tweet, uh, which unfortunately we can't see because we're blocked by Ryback on Twitter, but I assume it's in response to the swimming pool tweet with him with the supplements. Nice yard and nice swimming pool. Good day to you, Ryback. So apparently Keith Lee's got a burner account. Good day! <laughs> Good day, Mr. Ryback. Mr. Sheffield. What a wondrous back garden you have. And... Uh, Final comment, Jordan McIntyre on the YouTube video of the fat lass getting knocked into a pool. Um, oh, mate. Right. Well, like, uh, it's locker room talks getting a bit much. <laughs> Too bad he couldn't have got an attractive woman to play the after woman, or I'd have bought this for my girlfriend. What, <laughs> what is that? <laughs> Worst he ever made. <laughs> I got the layers. So he's negging the, the, the after woman. He's negging a woman in a video. And his missus. And himself. Who he wants to buy the tape for. So there's an implication that he's unhappy with his missus <laughs> in the first place. And let's not forget the real victim of all this. Ryback. <laughs> <laughs> Good day, Mr. Sheffield. <laughs> so thanks to Chase Austin for suggesting that. I'm ex- I'm, I need to watch this Ryback reading the secret for 10 minutes video. But yes, if you want to suggest something short, crap, wrestling related... Uh, do so by leaving a five-star review on iTunes or Spotify, or you can just email it to me, adam.wilborn at whatculture.com. We return to Monday Night Raw, not with the main event, Michael Sidgwick, just yet. Oh, Christ. There was a Liv Morgan promo saying she was going to win the title, win the match and then win the title at the Rumble. She didn't, so it doesn't matter. Um, instead, it's time for the Alexa Bliss segment, isn't it? Oh, I forgot about this. So we've been saying what's... What have they done? Four months off. What have they got for Alexa Bliss? Exactly the same position she was when she left. Uh, she's in the overalls. She's still a child. Uh, she's got the dark makeup on, but she's in a psychiatrist's office. Poor Dr. Shelby. I miss him. Mm-hmm. Why don't they come and bring him back for this? That's too serious for him. Yeah. The building to it. Uh, well, uh, he's got, uh, he's got a, a Newton's cradle that's click-clacking in the background. And then Bliss stares at it. And it stops. When it stops, the psychiatrist just goes, (laughs) (laughs) moving on. Should that not indicate to him, oh, maybe she's not psychologically damaged, or maybe she is, but also she's, you know, correct. It's not delusions. You just watched the suspiciously, like, local indie wrestler psychiatrist as well. Oh, good. That was distracting me. I'm waking here. (laughs) (laughs) But surely that event should have made him realize, hang on. Maybe she's not deluded. <laughs> different gravy, this. <laughs> you are different gravy. <laughs> That's the yeah, other comment section underneath everything that Alexa Bliss does. <laughs> so the doctor tells her it's time to heal. He needs to know where, where exactly Alexa's at right now. Uh, and he goes, I want you to watch something. Telekinesis. <laughs> <laughs> I, I was really hoping, it was, it called, was it called Raw Shark Test? Yeah. I thought he was going to do was. that. That would have been actually creative. Instead, he just went, here's a video, here's a uh, montage of Lily getting torn to pieces. Imagine that, like, fiend mask, gritty, <laughs> coming up on the ink clots. I also like the idea of, like, she clearly, clearly took, suffered some severe psychological damage when this happened. So let's make a montage and play it to her. <laughs> uh, and then, uh, and she's, she's getting worked up by watching this video. He says, hmm, hmm, how does that make you feel? She goes, <laughs> And she gets a glass and, and the jug of water and 
pulls it. But she doesn't stop when it's full. It pulls all over the floor. She's going to have to clean that up. And uh, she goes, oh, yeah, how does that make you feel? And he says, mm, yeah, not great, to be honest. <laughs> Uh, she says, she, I, at this point, by the way, it is making me feel like my pants are a little too tight. <laughs> <laughs> at no point have they derailed from that. She says, Well, I feel dandy. And then she She's hoists. not Tiffany Stratton. <laughs> <laughs> she hoists the glass pitcher across the room. It shatters against the wall. Uh, she says, I've got a problem. And she rips pages out of a notebook and smashes up his office. Uh, she makes a funny note. She like goes, and smashes the keyboard. <laughs> Breaks a glass of breaks a vase of flowers and then ch- chucks something after him as he legs it out and then she says, "Well, oh, see you next week." She's crazy. This I'm I'm here for this. It was awful, absolutely oh, awful, all wonderfully terrible. This yes, one, yeah, already one of the worst segments of the year. Um, I like this so much more. We're not out of a pandemic. We're not, but WWE is. So you go back to like a live crowd or something. This. They believed, I think, at the time that this was genuinely a pandemic wrestling solution. We saw plenty of them. Loads of them worked on Wednesdays. So they thought, oh, this is one of ours. Wacky Alexa Bliss. Stuff that we can do in the Thunderdome that we could never do in front of a live crowd. They can't do that in front of the live crowd anymore. So you get vignettes like this. And I love that when it's over, we don't go back to our sad, absolutely trapped in the pandemic lives. We go back to a live crowd and a wrestling show and our colleagues at work getting to talk about it. So I have a lot of time for this. It breaks up the monotony. It's awful. It, I'm not giving it a shred of credibility. I'm just saying it breaks up the monotony in quite a pleasing way. One of the, the things that some people maybe don't listen to regularly, because maybe they're not a fan of it, is our NXT. That's what have made it this far. <laughs> the NXT Super L previews, because they maybe don't watch that show. It's fair enough. Um, if you but, do. But you should, you should listen to that. You don't have to watch NXT if you don't want to, because we've got games, and this means we can get a game on the Raw preview. Yes. Mad stuff she's going to do next week. So I love this in the worst possible way. Yeah, I just, uh, I also love just the incoming flood of Alexa Bliss stands going, give her an Oscar. It's not even the medium. It's not even the medium for an Oscar, <laughs> you idiot. Like, they are desperate for her to get Oscar uh, nominated. I- it's fantastic. <laughs> Imagine. I break the rules for telly just once. <laughs> just once. It's, it's, it's Alexa. Um, right. Main event time is the triple threat beforehand. Uh, Becky Lynch comes down to sort of neg slash put over Liv Morgan uh, and Bianca Belair. Um, but she gives a nod to EDJ. Um, thinks that this fellow Celt might have uh, what it takes to go out and get it. She says anything can happen tonight. All these women have got notions of grandeur. They will be finally the one to overthrow her. It's going to be a battle for the ages. All of them fighting. One day, one day tell their grandkids that they lost to Becky. And then we got Liv Morgan, Bianca Belair, and uh, for the uh, right to face and Becky Lynch at the Royal Rumble. Yeah, and I really enjoyed this, to be fair. Um, you know, it had tropes, as we often say, of, of WWE triple threats. I'll hit you slightly with a, a relatively effective move and you piss off for two minutes so we can do a spot. But... And the stuff they did all together, I thought, really looked great. Um, there was a bit where, you know, Bianca Belair and Liv Morgan are going at it, and then all of a sudden, they turn around and get hit with a running crossbody by Jeb. Um She uh, hit Belair with a Mishinoku driver and then slammed Morgan on top of her. We go to a break, we come back, uh, Belair dodges a charge by Dewdrop, goes to the top, Morgan flips over Dewdrop, uh, and Hurricane Rana's Belair 
down to the ground. Then uh, Dewdrop kicks Morgan into the bottle, and Belair spears Dewdrop, and they're all down. Um, Belair uh, is put in the rings of Saturn as Dewdrop's eliminated out of the ring for a while. She puts um, Liv Morgan puts Belair in the rings of Saturn, and it looks like it's, it's, she's not. It can't get out. She's going to have to submit. Belair powers out of it as we often see she does. Goes to reverse this, but Morgan counters brilliantly with a code breaker. Dewdrop comes in, gets hit with one as well. Uh, Dewdrop power bombs Morgan though. And Bianca Belair makes the save with a sensational 450 splash that even Becky Lynch on commentary is shown getting impressed by. Uh, Belair hits a spine buster on Dewdrop uh, and gives Morgan a glam slam on top of her. Uh, Belair hits a moonsault on both women. KOD on Morgan. She has got the match won. One, two, Becky Lynch Goes from commentary, gets involved, breaks up the cover, gets chased uh, around ringside by Belair, eventually chucks Bianca Belair over the announce table, and uh, Dewdrop seizes the opportunity. Banzai drop onto Liv Morgan for the pinfall victory. Becky Lynch very happy with herself. She's dodged Bianca Belair, uh, and she will be facing Dewdrop at the Royal Rumble. Um, she um, offers a handshake to her twats her across the face, goes to manhandle, slam her, but then suddenly realizes she can't do that. Uh, and Dewdrop shoves Lynch out of the ring and stares her down. She is the number one contender as the show goes off the air. I thought this was mostly really effective. Mm. But then I would say that because I predicted the finish because I feel like even they know that all they've got for WrestleMania and Becky Lynch is this Bianca Valeri match. They want you to have the visual, not of the... Multiple rematches they had, the triple threats, the tags, but of the singular SummerSlam moment where Becky caught Bianca Belair. She didn't beat her, she caught her. She did beat her, but that's how they're going to want to present that big stadium. Flash forward to another big stadium and Bianca Belair finally getting that match as if she hasn't had other chances before. That's what they're going to want you to receive. And maybe we will, because maybe the match will be great. Maybe Bianca Belair will go back-to-back winning Royal Rumbles, as so few other wrestlers have done. Certainly, that's never happened in the history of the women's Royal Rumbles. There's a lot of stuff that you can build for this, and I like this as an effort to begin that. Um, the triple threat was the best mechanism for it, because you can still have a result, you can still have a finish, and I, I've wanted to put her over more than I have, because some of the angles have been bad, and the character is pretty terrible. It's one-dimensional, but it's also pretty terrible. But Dewdrop has been, I think, an asset to this division, and this is probably the first time where you've been able to say it without too many caveats. Mm. Um, Liv Morgan looked better here than she did in either of her matches against Becky Lynch. The chemistry between um, Dewdrop and Bianca Belair was more interesting than it had been in their singles matches and in their singles feud. And possibly with a bit of fortune, because the booking, as we talked about at length on the previous and it made no sense, but the fortune of the work being decent made all of this feel quite important. Becky Lynch versus Dewdrop is a sort of perfect Royal Rumble title match, archetypal WWE Royal Rumble title match, where you don't see a title change, but you see quite an interesting pairing that you wouldn't have otherwise thought about on a risk-free stage to do it. Very little to be critical of here, and they've done probably the most effective job they can do at this point of planting the seed for Belair and Lynch for WrestleMania. I just wish it was Becky Lynch versus Piper Niven, personally, but still. Well, yeah, they did a much better job of crafting all of this than I thought possible, but my niggling suspicions, I think, are still valid that I spoke of on the preview yesterday, like Becky Lynch against Dewdrop. Like, at least Liv Morgan's got like a really loyal online following. I'm not saying that people don't like Dewdrop and recognize that the booking is nowhere near as good as the performer, etc. Becky Lynch is going to have to do a gigantic 
massive job of trying to get Dewdrop over as anything remotely being a heel. Uh, it's just an odd one to do. I don't hate it in theory for everything Hamlet says. I feel like they've missed a trick in recent years by not doing... Let's get that mid-carder 15 minutes with a main event or Royal Rumble because the match itself was the draw. Like I missed that, so I mm. am glad that that's back, as Hamlet pointed out. Yeah, the match was... Uh, Solid. Usually I use that as a border solid now, but given the curve that I had this at in terms of the preview, I thought it was really quite strong. Look, the main thing here was make, advance the story between Bianca Belair and Becky Lynch and make Bianca Belair look great. And that goddamn aerial was just stunning. Yeah. So I think it did way more than it had any right to do. Yeah, you're right. I was pleasantly surprised by this match. Uh, not surprised too much by the outcome, but uh, yeah, excited to see where they go next with this. Also really intrigued to see what rating this gets, because I saw the, the number that SmackDown did uh, this morning uh, on fr- from Friday night, of course, and yeah, I mean, it's I would assume that is Brock Lesnar related, so uh, as well as the return, of course, of Roman Reigns. So we'll, we'll have to keep an eye out for that one. But let us know your thoughts on everything we've discussed on Meninarau on Twitter at WhatCultureWWE. Well, I say you can follow all three of us. You can follow Michael Hamflit at... Michael Hamflit. Uh, follow Michael Sidgwick at... M. Sidgwick. Follow me at Adam Wilborn. Follow us all at WhatCultureWWE. And make sure you subscribe to WhatCulture Wrestling, wherever you get your podcasts from, for daily wrestling podcasts. As I said, myself and the Dally Boys back later on for the NXT Dubai L preview. Uh, and also, like Chase Austin did, thank you once again, Chase, uh, you can suggest something short, crap, and wrestling-related by leaving us a five-star review on iTunes and on Spotify and in my email. Adam.Wilborn at whatculture.com. But for now, this has been the Raw Review. My thanks to the Dadly Boys. Thank you for joining us, and we will see you soon. Hold up. What was that? Boring. No flavor. That was as bad as those leftovers you ate all week. Kiki Palmer here, and it's time to say hello to something fresh and guilt free. Hello, Fresh. Jazz up dinner with pecan crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Now that's music to my mouth. Hello, Fresh. Let's get this dinner party started. Discover all the delicious possibilities at HelloFresh.com. Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more. And it's all priced at 50 to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com pack for free shipping and 365-day returns.